Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham Scott alongside, as always, hello, Scott. Sean, I got to tell you something. I'm feeling super cozy today in my new <laughs> game of Stones hey, hoodie. Hey, all right, it arrived. Yes, it's here. It's warm and cozy and uh, ooh, just perfect on a chilly fall afternoon. Wow. Well, congratulations. I'm glad you like it. I will warn you that uh, there's some fluff involved before the the first wash oh yeah oh yeah so well aware prepare for that um but uh that's great i love my two hoodies super comfy it's very rainy and cool here in the nation's capital on a monday so yeah you're right that would be a perfect option for today yeah i just had to put my blinds up so i could see and yes yes i think it is still rainy and, and gray yeah uh but uh another piece of information here as uh, we are talk on september the 27th scott in a few hours you and i are scheduled to play in a curling match oh my gosh that's right i almost forgot <laughs> yeah tonight the late draw at the ottawa curling club it's the first night of the monday open league team griffin is back in all of its might uh, we um, had a pretty good year last year in the limited games we played. Uh, maybe that's just because I'm remembering the games I skipped because we won most of them. That's true, Sean. That's true. We did. Uh, I, I see we're up in the C division to start out of four. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I'm excited to, to be back in the saddle plane. Might have an extra episode this week talking a little bit about uh, our experience and just in general, the return to play, what it looks like this year, what's different from mm-hmm. what we all experienced last year. So keep an eye out on the feed for that. But we are here right now to discuss what happened over the last five days here in Ottawa as the pre-pre-trials took place here at the RA Center. First event at the new performance center here in ottawa it's it's going to take a bit of adjustment if you watched any of the game last night there was a bit of a leak from the roof so you know it's not a perfect system quite yet but i'm sure they'll get there in time the ra center it is a hockey pad that they're going to use now for ice for their recreational curling facility it'll be there but it also be there as a high performance center so expect to see a lot more of these type of events, these mid-level type events being here in Ottawa where Curling Canada has this facility, they have the resources to use. And uh, so I'm excited about the, the potential of what that could be, not just for the national programs, but even locally having facility with really good ice, uh, arena quality ice. You know, you, you can get really good ice at some of the other facilities here in the city, but Scott, this could be a really good thing for curling recreationally here in the city yeah i'm thinking about the mixed doubles like little tour that we have here in ottawa maybe uh some of the the city championships style bonds fields that we have uh, near the end of the year uh, could be a great facility for those so yeah i I mean overall i'm impressed and i'm not going to say no to more high performance curling happening in our own backyard yeah uh, absolutely. So Scott, let's uh, talk about what happened and let's start with the trials direct entry 
This was the three spots for five women's teams. We'll start on the women's side. And the division here was a round robin. And then there was a playoff situation, which on the Curling Canada website is listed officially as a tiebreaker. And I'll say this just up front. The format for the direct entry trials, men's and women's, I still don't fully understand how it worked. So, you know, we won't get too much into the weeds on it. I will say this, though, that I know that there were teams who are participating in it who, who were upset, who didn't like all of the machinations of it. And I didn't talk to them specifically, but we because we had access as media, you could see some of the discussions that were going on and not everybody was particularly thrilled with the situation. So we, we won't get into all of that, but let's just say that this was the format. The format was the format. I don't fully understand how they came to this conclusion, but they did. And teams are going to the trials because of it. And let's just, let's just leave it there, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, let's uh, let's leave it there. So, Sean, the way I understood things on the women's side, uh-huh. that there was essentially the the two teams that finished the round robin three and one got through. Yeah, so that yeah, so that's Casey Scheidegger and Kelsey Rock each go three and one through the round robin. That's right, Casey Scheidegger. They lost their first, and then uh, went on a run after that. They lost their first to Laura Walker. Uh, won three in a row after that, and then Team Kelsey Rock. They had to win their last, uh, so it was a, a bit of the same thing. Their their first game was actually against Scheidegger in Scheidegger's second game. They lost that one and then ran the table after that. So that big win in the last game got them to a record of three and one and got them right into the into the trials. The third spot is where a bit of the confusion happened for me. Yeah. Because I would have thought, okay, well, Laura Walker's team finished two and two. Well, they're the third place team, so uh, they should be able to go. But not the case that they didn't want anybody, I assume, finishing 500 or worse and getting an automatic bid. So the third place team, Laura Walker, played the fourth place team and had to lose twice on Sunday. That was the, the way it was set up. So Corinne Brown at one and three was the fourth place team by virtue of a head-to-head win over uh, Suzanne Burt, who Mm -hmm. we'll talk about in a minute. And then, so had to play spoiler and win twice against Laura Walker. Won the first game, made it interesting, Uh forced us to come back at 8 p.m. (laughs) Yeah. But it was ultimately not to be. It was not to be. Uh, the The game last night got a little out of hand, and I, the the breaks the the breaks in play. So there was a leak from the roof at the RA Center last night, and John Wall had to come out. And <laughs> credit to John Wall, great form. He brought out a curling stone and uh, sort of going back and forth over the spot after he scraped it and and repebbled it. Uh, so full credit to John Wall for being able to make that sheet playable during that game last mm-hmm. night, but the situation there was that the game kind of got out of control uh, out of hand a big number for laura walker she really controlled the scoreboard well where in the earlier game corinne brown had a chance late to end the game score six in the ninth and she missed on her last one they win the game it doesn't matter but uh, it seemed like it was kind of two opposite games there in the first game corinne brown in the second half of the game kind of took control had that big chance to score that six and then in the second game, we saw more of what we saw in the first half 
of the earlier game where Laura Walker was the one in control. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Like you said, Sean, uh, mere opposite polar opposites in those games. And, and like the second game, lo- long day for both teams, mm-hmm. long week, really. Yeah. Uh, and Laura Walker comes out and thro- scores that three spot in the first end. And yeah. you're thinking, okay, she, she wants to get out of here. Yeah. I think she, then she gets a, a force and a two, right? It was five, one. Yeah. It was five, one. And it, it seemed like they'd run out of gas, but yeah. Credit to team Brown. They did, uh, they did scratch back. Yeah. I was surprised they didn't shake after nine, to be honest. <laughs> like you think long week, mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. I'm down four, but they, they went for it. They even looked at maybe a potential crazy split on, on, the the latter part of the end but uh, it just wasn't there so they they gave it everything they had good full credit to them and now they and suzanne burt will head off to the pre-trials out in liverpool nova scotia next month suzanne burt tough week for her the only game she wins is actually against laura walker in her last one to get laura walker down to that two and two position disappointing for them but they will have that chance to go to Nova Scotia. A little more practice under their belt as they get there. Maybe they'll be in better form. They've had these high-level games here in a pressure situation, so we'll see how that goes at the pre-trials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else here, Scott, from this side? Uh, I didn't see much of Scheidegger. I did note... Uh, we'll talk about this with Jill Brothers too. That uh, Casey Scheidegger herself was wearing the vest over the team jacket. Uh, always a, a curious choice when you have all the sponsors there. I find, uh, but oh, it was you know, Sean, it was cold. Chilly. Yeah, it was cold in yeah. there. It was very cold in that arena. But they played great, going three and one. A terrific week for them. The only game they lost was their opener to Laura Walker, and then win pretty comfortably the rest of the way. Uh, if you're looking at point differential. So they do a good job there. And then Kelsey Rock, great win for her. I was there Wednesday uh, when they got their first win uh, against Laura Walker, or maybe that was Friday. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, Wednesday. So I, oh. I was, no, I think that was, whatever yeah, it was. It was uh, yeah, Friday. Friday night, uh, I was in the building to get that win. That was a really good game and uh, real good back and forth, some tight shots, uh, great sweeping. That was a, a real entertaining game. It was a little far away from where I was standing, but uh, that was a terrific game back and forth. Those are two really good teams that, uh, you know, I think we've talked about it before. We'll see what happens in Alberta. Uh, those two teams going back and forth. And you got Selena Sturme out there as well, among others. Uh, so Alberta okay. is, is quite interesting as we move forward, but uh, a great week for them. And uh, so they'll be new. Uh, Kelsey Rock making her debut at the trials. Uh, Ferguson and Brown, of course, will not be making their debuts at the trials, but uh, Kelsey Rock will be, and and it'll be fun to see how she does in that week. Yeah, yeah. uh, Some young blood coming up. Uh, Danielle Shimmerman is their third, too. Yes. So uh, that will be her first foray into the, uh, the national level. Yeah. As part of the four-person team. Four yeah, because she, she played with uh, John, John Morris. Morris at the mixed doubles last year. Yeah, had a good run there into the playoffs, I believe. Absolutely. So uh, I think the three teams that were probably favored were the three that went through. Yeah, I think so. I agree. I was a little bit surprised that Laura Walker needed all those games to, to get there. But sure. Uh, overall, I don't think we're that surprised. And we'll see... Uh, Suzanne Burt and Corinne Brown at the pre-trials in Liverpool. 
uh, how, how do you peg their odds when, when we get to the pre-trials? Uh, the pre-trials, they're going to be tough. There's so many teams. There's so few spots. Uh, we'll talk about the format for that once we get to it. But it's going to be tough. And whoever earns their spot out of that is really going to earn it. And, you know, you lose a couple games early or, or someone's not feeling great. I don't know, Scott. There, there's. I think that the depth is too good there to say that they're definitively the two favorites. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably fair. And we will talk more about those teams that have already qualified for that uh, when we get to that event uh, in not not too far from now, Sean. Like maybe but three weeks, a month, four weeks, three yeah. weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's coming up fast and fierce. It's getting getting late early here in the curling season <laughs> for, yeah. uh, for some teams. So let's shift on over to the men's side. A little more clarity here, slightly, uh, slightly. So on the men's side, you had five teams competing for two spots. And you had a situation here where Team Dunstone, Team McEwen go through. They go three and one through the round robin each. And then there's a little qualifying round where they each won another game against Flash and Gunlickson. Or they won two more games, excuse me. Uh, I, again, don't fully understand why they did it this way, but they did. Uh, and Dunstone mm-hmm. and McEwen were the two clear best teams out of these ones this week. So they get to go through Howard Flash and Gunlickson do not i will say this for colton flash i was there wednesday night that first game colton flash i think he should have won the game i he made a really big mistake in the well not a mistake that seems harsh there was uh, a problem in the fourth end he was sitting one behind cover mike McEwen had a stone out in the 12 foot mike McEwen had the hammer and flash decided to play it aggressively to try to come in, sit to, maybe even steal to, but the stone overcurled and rubbed the guard and gave McEwen a relatively open hit for the two. And that kind of turned the game because uh, the mm. team, McEwen's team struggled. Uh, Reed had a couple big misses that you don't see very often from him. And McEwen bailed them out with some doubles in that game. And uh, that, that real shift there in the fourth end in a game that ended up 5-3. And that was the the big turning point in the fourth end. So a, a tough break for Flash there, but they were they they played hard. If you look at their scores, I th- they were a lot closer than the scores would indicate. Played well, and they'll be a force at that pretrial. I, I think so. I think so. I, I'm trying to wrap my head around still how they made this uh, modified round robin, Sean. But uh, they did it. That's all that matters. They did it, yeah. Because there there was a scheduled game yesterday morning between Flash and Howard. Yeah, but it was but unnecessary. The, yeah, what happened was neither team could could catch the second place team at that point uh, by winning, so it was it was deemed unnecessary yeah. and thus wasn't played. Yeah, so everyone gets to go home earlier than expected. Uh, so Scott with Dunstone and McEwen. You know, we've seen McEwen, obviously, at uh, trials before. He almost won in 2017. Mm-hmm. Obviously, a different team, though. Uh, Dunstone has been there as well. I think everyone on the team has been at a trials. So it'll be fun to see them there. I mean, I think coming into the week, these were the two teams we would have expected to move forward. And out of the, the teams that are moving, like the teams who were here in Ottawa, we wondered what are the chances that one of them could be the Olympic representative for Canada. 
And there was nothing that I saw out of either Dunstone or McEwen that would make me think that they don't have a chance to win. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I would put the odds a little more in favor of Dunstone. Their team's a little more consistent, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like Mike's one of the best players in the world and can get hot for a week, just like anybody. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if he played the way he played this week and the team, improved just a little bit from where they were this week uh, in the games mm-hmm. I saw at least uh, they'll be a tough out no question about it yeah exactly and, and I think you know if you're not one of the favorites going in what what you really want is to be a tough out right yeah just knowing that we can play with anybody you know maybe the breaks will go our way maybe we'll catch lightning in a bottle and and win it absolutely and that's all you need. It's a shorter event than a national championship mm-hmm. uh, in terms of games. I think you're there for just as long, but because you have the men and women playing together, a little shorter uh, or, or same amount of time, but fewer games. And yeah, you can just catch out lightning in a bottle. We've seen it before at the trials. Yes, we have. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we have. <laughs> all right. Well, let's shift on over, Scott, to the pre-pre-trials on the women's side. Now, I will say this for the pre-pre-trials, this format made sense uh this was a a straight abc draw and there was uh the the progress that you normally see at at a spiel uh now and this was a true abc draw too this wasn't the fake nonsense way that the slams try to say oh it's a triple knockout no no slams i'm not buying your nonsense uh because you don't actually have a triple knockout this was real or than what the slams do so the winner of the A and the winner of the B draws played each other and the winner got through and the loser of that game played the winner of the C draw for the second spot. So it, it was like getting to the way the playoffs will work at the trials. Three teams in mm-hmm. uh, similar to that, except for that you have a loss that you could take in the playoffs and still get through. So on the women's side, great story during the week. Carrie Galusha runs the table. Beats Sarah Wark, mm-hmm. Ashley Howard, Jesse Hunkin to win the A side, then beats Hunkin again in the first qualifying game. That was Saturday evening, wins it nine to eight. And Carrie Galusha is going to the pre trials. I believe this is her first appearance at a pre trial, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice story. We talked about them in our preview that they were coming off uh, a couple of really good events, one win and one. Uh, a second place finish and we thought that they could keep this momentum going and roll it in and and we saw them yeah they just rolled they did have to beat uh jesse hunkin in an extra end yeah for that uh, first qualifying spot uh but you know they had hammer they took care of business they were able to do it so really great to see uh, the team from the north going to be there in liverpool you know we talked already about how tough that field is going to be and, you know, it, it's, I, I assume they're going to go home and then come back. So uh, who knows what can happen, but uh, hopefully, hopefully they keep some of this mojo because they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, no question. Yeah. Like I say, two finals to start up the season, one win and now this. So a great story there. The other team that gets through is Jill Brothers coming, not quite out of nowhere, but if you had looked up. Uh, on the morning of September 24th, you would have said, eh, okay, chill brothers, probably not a chance because they lost mm-hmm. their first two games. Scott, they lose they to Laurie St. George in the first game. 
and then they lost to Lauren Mann in their second game. So they had to run the gamut through the C draw, and they do that, getting some revenge on Laurie St. George, then beats Ashley Howard in the game I watched. It was right in front of me, but I couldn't quite see the houses very well. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Kim Kelly played so good in that game. And uh, at one point, I didn't realize it was Kim Kelly. And I looked and I was like, oh, that person could be related to Kim Kelly, like maybe her daughter or niece or something. I did a double take and like, holy crap, that's actually Kim Kelly. Yeah. Just out here making crazy shots. She made a a run double around some of the Ashley Howard stones. And Russ Howard was there as the coach for Ashley Howard. And and so Ashley Howard calls a timeout. As Russ is coming out, he says to Kim Kelly, that was nasty. And Kim Kelly just looks at him and goes, I know. It's like, yeah, you're you're an assassin, Kim Kelly. It was great. Uh, I'm good. So she wins that, beats Lauren Mann in the C semifinal of sorts, uh, then beats Team Jones in the C finals to get that spot. And with Jesse Hunkin losing to Kerry Galusha, we saw that game yesterday morning, Scott. We were there for it, where Mm -hmm. Jill Brothers beat Jesse Hunkin in a game that was streamed. But I don't think anyone's necessarily going to send the video of it to the Hall of Fame. But Jill Brothers will take it. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I. I felt like Team Brothers was in control, right? Yeah, uh, I agree. I made that. I made that joke at the after the fourth end when they had, you know, forced taken two, forced taken two. I said, yeah. "Oh, you just do that. You're going to win the game. Pretty easy." They <laughs> yeah. immediately give up a three. Uh, and I'm thinking, "Oh, geez, did I jinx it?" Uh, but brothers, they regroup, get the three right back, then get a steal in the eighth, which I, it seemed to me like, like Jesse had, uh, she was really light on her draws at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like she was trying to compensate for it a bit at the end and things were coming a bit heavy. Uh, Kristen Streifel, the same thing was a bit heavy on draws towards the end of the game. Uh, yeah. which you don't expect, right? You, you sort of expect as the game goes on, maybe it gets a bit frosty, uh, draws start digging in and stopping, but it wasn't the case yesterday. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, everything was deep and Jesse was off all day, really. And I'm sure she would say that, that just a little off with the weight control and wasn't able to get it done. But again, credit to Jill Brothers, a uh, great week for them to come through the sea yeah. trot. That is so hard. Such a grind, yeah. Yeah, so uh, congratulations to them. They will be the home team out there in Liverpool for the pre-trials. Yeah, and and you know if we can get more Kim Kelly uh, on our TVs come okay. pre-trials okay. time, all for that. I'm okay with it. No, absolutely. Uh, over on the men's side, we had uh, a bit of an upset, perhaps. Uh, team Robert, Scott, runs the table. They go through the A side, and they then win. In the qualifying game, they beat JT Ryan, who came through the B-side. But for Robert's, they go through Weeb, Meacham, and Chambers. And really, like, I mean, almost like a hot knife through butter in this field. Uh, It's kind of surprising, but great on them. It'll be fun to see them at the pre-trial, see how they hold up uh, over the course of that week as the situation intensifies and you get uh, different teams in there. But, you know, we talked last week about how we would want or, or hope for a team from Quebec to be successful and, and be a regular presence at the, these events. And these guys certainly had a wonderful week. Yeah. I think uh, we might be looking at the future of Quebec curling. You know, is that too much to say? Maybe. 
maybe but yeah. who knows but maybe but who knows but you know? uh, no it's it's nice to see uh like you say some uh quebec representation at these levels especially with an event that was so skewed to manitoba i think we talked about it there there was yeah. eight teams i think five of them were from winnipeg so, <laughs> yeah uh you know if you'd picked three winnipeg teams coming out or two winnipeg teams coming out not a bad pick but team Roberts was there to say uh not so fast yeah so a, a great week for them and then i mentioned jt ryan he went through the b side but then sean grassy doing his best jill brothers impression coming mm-hmm. through the c side he also lost his first ga- two games first to jt ryan and then to willie lyburn and then he goes through jacques gauthier ryan weeb sean meacham Corey Chambers to get into that second game, that second qualifying game yesterday afternoon, and in an extra beats JT Ryan. So Sean Grassy gets into the pre-trials. Scott, they're not the same age, but is Sean Grassy the new Darcy Robertson? Ooh, just show up and make playoffs. <laughs> yeah, like mm. where is this coming from? I mean, he's he's a good player. We've seen him do well at Manitoba Provincials in playoffs, pushing the the McEwens, the Gunlicksons of the world in those games. But we've also seen him make some interesting calls and and just the the precision isn't quite there that you would see at the top level. Uh so again, I didn't have super high expectations, but they're a team that's gonna come out, they're gonna compete, and they're gonna give you a good game for sure. Yeah, I wonder if familiarity was at all uh at play here is they played seven games this week, and I think they were all against other Manitoba teams. Uh, Meacham's right. Saskatchewan, isn't he? Yes, Meacham is Saskatchewan. My bad. So one province over. <laughs> yeah, all prairie teams. <laughs> but holy cow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, good on them. They they knew what was in front of them and yep. just, kept, just kept marching one foot uh, after the other. Yeah, uh, so well done to them a tough break there for jt ryan and his team kind of interesting though that that they actually were not going to play much this year if at all Uh, jt ryan's working in a mine in northern ontario the rest of the team uh, is in school with the exception of joey hart who was added to this team for this Mm. event because the normal uh second uh, could not participate so they just called up joey hart and he said sure i'll come play with you and uh, so these guys were kind of playing with house money over the course of the week and to get into the the B final win that a, a great job for them. We'll see what happens. You know, school life happens with these guys and, and we'll see what JT Ryan wants to do. He had success at the junior level and we've seen individuals have difficulty making the switch to the men's level. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's started on his career and, and the rest of the teams in school. So we'll just see if they want to continue down this path. If they do, they're good and they'll have success at, at, at least at some level. Uh, but, uh, you know, real life gets in the way sometimes, Scott. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Uh, so elsewhere, the only other thing I wanted to mention, because we talked about it last week, Jacques Gauthier, his team, uh, they struggled a little bit. They won their first game, but uh, that was it for them. So we'll see what the future holds for Jacques Gauthier. I've, I've suggested on this show, the next super team out of Manitoba could be a JT Ryan, Jacques Gauthier amalgamation of sorts, uh, but we'll see what happens there. So uh, otherwise, not too, too much to report out of the pre-pre-trial. So 
as we look forward, the men's teams going to the pre-trials from this event in Ottawa, who will be moving ahead to Liverpool. It is Sean Grassi, Roberge, Howard, Flash, Gunlickson. That's right, Sean. That's right. And they'll join the following teams at the pre-trials. It'll be Pat Simmons making a comeback uh, with somebody else's team. Uh, Jonathan Buke with the former Scott McDonald team. Uh, Braden Calvert, Tyler Tardy, Jeremy Hardy out of Alberta, Karsten Sturmey, Pat Ferris from Ontario, Paul Fleming, and in what might be his last event, Mike Fournier. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he announced his so, retirement. So just those uh, those names there, any one or two stand out to you? Oh, it's tough. You know, I mean, I think the rooting interest is for Mike Fournier. Like, how cool would it be for him to get yeah. to the trials? Uh, but I, I think, you know, Pat Simmons is an interesting one. Playing with that young team, could he make enough shots at the end of the game to win? But I, I, I kind of think it's going to be two of the teams that we saw, if I'm being honest, uh, here. Whether Howard, Flash, or Gunlickson, I, I think two of those three. If I if I had to sort of handicap it right now, I would put the odds mm. in their favor. Yeah, I th- I think if I was to take a flyer on anyone, it would be Tyler Tardy. Yeah, but uh, if yeah, Gunner, Howard, or Flash, that no, those are probably the safer bets. Pat Simmons playing with. Uh, I just looked at it. Colton Lott. Uh, Kyle yes. Daring, Kyle Doring, and Tanner Lot. So yeah, uh, that uh, that team. It's a young team. And then Pat Simmons. Yeah, yeah. And then Pat Simmons. Yeah. So we'll see if that works. Uh, if that works out well, uh, in terms of having that experience at the back end. Hopefully for them it does. And I think just in terms of future, the development of the sport and having new players uh, compete at the highest level early in their career. I think if you can get that, if Tyler tried to get through. Uh, that's a, a huge win for them to get through that trials and playing in the trials in 2021 when they're not going to be considered at least a legitimate threat to win that event. I'll tell you, in 2025, they will be. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So on the women's side, Sean, what do we got? Didn't we already oh, we are, I guess we already talked about the women. <laughs> but uh, here, I'll go through the list of uh, teams into the pre-trials and we can go through this exercise of does anyone stand out to you? Okay. So uh, from this event this weekend, we've got uh, Corinne Brown and Suzanne Burt, Carrie Galusha and Jill Brothers. They will join a lot of teams from Manitoba and Ontario. So <laughs> uh, Mackenzie Zacharias, yeah. Beth Peterson, Justin Murphy, uh, Holly Duncan, Krista McCarville, Darcy Robertson, Danielle Inglis, Jackie Harrison, and then Sherry Anderson and Penny Barker from Saskatchewan. Okay, that's a uh, that's a pretty good field, I have to say. Like, that's, that's yeah. This this would be like the field that I would expect at at like the tier two event for the Slam. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like agree. these yeah. are these are the teams that you would expect to see in that that kind of an event. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So I think out of those, just initial reaction would be Krista McCarvel. Mackenzie Zacharias would be my two that kind of stand out that I might mm-hmm. expect. Uh, Beth Peterson didn't have the greatest week at the Scotties last year, but she's really good. Uh, it'll be tough to get through that field, though. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm with you, Krista McCarvel. You know, we're, we're going to be rooting for Danielle Inglis, a uh, great person on the, uh, on the curling Canada team. Local to us too. Uh, local to us. Yeah. Uh, Holly Duncan's team, you know, another, another local Ontario team, mm-hmm. Justin Murphy. They've got a good, uh, good story. I think her mom is still playing with her this year. So yeah, lots of, uh, lots of fun names there, but I, yeah, McCarville is is my number one pick to come out and gun to my head I might put I might pick Curran Brown second. Yeah. Okay. It's gonna be fun to watch. Absolutely. So Scott, we had the opportunity to be there. Uh now you weren't feeling great early in the week. Fortunately it wasn't COVID. You went and got tested. Uh, and so you waited exactly. until you were feeling better before you went into the building so I, I went to a couple of draws you went to the one draw but just in general how do, how would you describe the experience of being there the ra center and and just the idea of having this event obviously very unusual uh, given the circumstances of the world over the past 18 months but just what, what were your impressions of the week it was just a nice to have this kind of event in our own backyards, you know, we were able to watch on YouTube. That stream was available for everyone. Big shout out to Curling Canada for making that available mm-hmm. uh, as a way to follow this event. I like to think that Sean, you tweeting about the event throughout was helping to build up, you know, some of the curling Twitter's engagement uh, over the week. And it just felt like kind of nice to have curling back as weird as it sounds I, I i hadn't been in the building for an event since the briar of, of yeah. 2020 and being back kind of felt like yeah oh this is right this is good <laughs> yeah i mean obviously it would be nice with more people there with the fans there but you know having it be a curling event for some real stakes it was nice yeah, we were the only people there who weren't uh, competing to go to the Olympics, employed by Curling Canada, or somehow contracted to Curling Canada. Um, mm-hmm. We were the only ones in the building, not that. Uh, but it was fun, you know. It was uh, it was fun to see. It was fun to have these teams out there. It was kind of cool to see off the ice too, because you don't see that as much. And and I I, I said last week we would try to have audio the infrastructure wasn't there the same way it normally is at a Curling Canada event. And Mm -hmm. the players were, I'm sure if I had gone up and asked to talk to any of them on the record that they would have said yes, because that's typically how curlers are. Like they're they're not usually going to say no. Uh, They're very polite in that regard. But they weren't necessarily warned that we would be there. Uh, So, and the situation was such that it just, there just wasn't the space I felt to do it in a way that I felt comfortable with. So mm-hmm. that's why we don't have audio from the from the players. But I, I felt like it was a, a really good event. It was well put together. Certainly the the testing ground of the RA Center is a, a center of excellence. I think it passed its initial test. Some improvements for sure. Uh, I felt really good about the protocols that were in place. You had to scan in. You had to scan out. There were temp checks. Everyone had to submit their proof of vaccination in advance. So, mm-hmm. you know, you felt good about the protocols. I kept my mask on the whole time players didn't have to but as soon as you weren't playing you had to keep your mask on the whole time so i felt very comfortable with that now i'll also say this that we over the past three years have been 
critical of just the way the sport is going at the highest level, that there's no space or there's less space right now for the middle class teams, that everything seems to be catered to those teams that are, are going to be in the slams every year who have a legitimate chance of representing their countries at the Olympics. And the Mike Fournier's of sorts, if you listen to Ryan and Jonathan on Rocks Across the Pond last week, they, they commented on this, that Mike Fournier might be the last of those better than a recreational player, wants to play on tour a little bit, enters the provincials every year. Like Mike Fournier is one of the last of, of that type of a player. What Curling Canada did here, not for the trials direct entry, th- those teams are fine, for the pre-pre-trials, they didn't have to do this. They no. didn't have to spend this money. They didn't have to create this this event at all. They could have just said, they, they could have had a cutoff at two more teams or three more teams in the pre-trials and not done this. But the fact that they did it, the fact that they gave an opportunity to a mix of the young guys and, and women and some of the more experienced ones, uh, like Sean Grassy, you know, Jill Brothers, she's been around for a while, like giving them an opportunity to compete. And they're not going to be the Olympic representative in all likelihood. Uh, mm-hmm. But having them or pre- presenting this opportunity, you know, we talk about there has to be a carrot, there has to be a reward for going out and playing, for practicing. You want teams to continue to strive for something. This was something like that. And yes, it would have been better if there could have been fans there, but the reality is that it couldn't. And this was a major expense for Curling Canada that they didn't have to do. They did not have to spend this money on this. And sure, there might be some selfish benefits of just testing out the facility, but providing this to those teams who lost a full season last year, giving them this space to play, competitive games, high-level environment, Kudos to Curling Canada. Absolutely well done. And uh, I will not be as critical for like a month. <laughs> yeah, I got a big old, uh, what they, they say in the military, Bravo Zulu yeah. uh, to, to Curling Canada for this. You're right. They, uh, email, you know, they, they didn't have to do this, but it's it's nice that in our sport still, there's there's a way there's a path for everyone right yeah like we could start a team tomorrow with the goal of making it to the olympics it's not likely but it's possible that we could do it yeah just by winning right just go in and win and that's what i like the most about curling is uh the meritocracy in that sense that everyone has a chance if they put in the work and you're right. These teams are likely not going to be the Olympic representatives, but they could like, because they're there and they're playing, they could. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I, I think you got to keep that aspect in the curling as well. Yeah. And, and again, uh, Jonathan and Ryan talked about it last week on their show with the new world championship format or the qualification championship mm-hmm. uh, or the qual- qualification format for the world championship that there is actually a pretty easy fix to it that, would allow for every team in theory in the world to potentially be the world champion that year. And that is what's great about the sport is that it, it it's democratic in that if you go, you win, you keep going uh, and no one's going to stop yeah. you. So uh, that's what I like about it. And curling Canada, again, didn't have to, they did it good on them. And uh, you know, yeah, the, the format for the 
trials direct entry event didn't make sense to me so what uh <laughs> who cares so what? Yeah. Uh, as long as it made sense to somebody uh then great and and the format for the pre-trials or the pre-pre-trials made sense worked give opportunities to those teams uh full kudos to curling canada so uh, a couple other quick notes from the weekend scott the we had some events out west chelsea carey was uh very uh, entertaining on twitter noting that her invite to ottawa got lost in the mail so she was playing at the craven event out in saskatchewan not surprisingly, she was playing against a bunch of Saskatchewan teams and mm-hmm. comes out on top in Craven. I'll just say, uh, Google up the music festival in Craven. There's some hilarious things that come out of that every year. Uh, but for curling, a good win for Chelsea Carey. We obviously will not see them at the pre-trials or at the trials, but they will be a force potentially in those Saskatchewan playdowns and then maybe at the Scotties. Uh yeah, I think if they can get through uh, Sherry Anderson, they, I, I would put them as the favorite. I know the Jesse Hunkins team was here in Ottawa this week. Uh, they'll also be a contender. But when you've got Chelsea Carey throwing skip stones, that's she's easily the top skip in Saskatchewan. Apologies to the aforementioned Sherry Anderson. And she's teamed up with uh, some greats from Saskatchewan uh, Jolene Campbell playing with Stephanie Schmidt, who was one of my favorite gifts of all time when she made like this crazy shot and just sort of like shook her head. Like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I made, I made the gift. That's why I like it. <laughs> nobody uses it. Uh, and then Jennifer Armstrong as lead. I, that's a strong team. And I, I could see them making some noise, uh, not only in provincials, but at the Scotties as well. Yeah, so uh, a good week for them to get that win. The other event we wanted to talk about is the Okotoks Classic. That was out, of course, in Okotoks. And uh, Kevin Cooey comes out on top in that event. Scott, I just want to point out how imbalanced the playoffs were. Just, I just, and this is, and it's not a criticism of the people in Okotoks. This is how it played out just based on the results coming into the playoffs. But on one side of the bracket, you had Brendan Botcher, Karsten Sturmey and Kevin Cooey. Yeah. <laughs> On the other side of the bracket, you had Yop Van Dorp, Nathan Mulberg, and Ross White. I, yeah. I, I'm not saying that those are, are not balanced, but uh, if you put those on a scale, uh, it would very much be tipped to one side. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Ross White, great junior team. Uh, I guess they're not juniors anymore. They're out of uh, Scotland. Yeah, uh, Kevin Cooey wins that over them on Sunday. Uh, I saw the Brendan Botcher team Twitter feed that uh, said, every morning uh, I brush my teeth and I look at this note on my mirror that says, I don't have to play Cooey's at Provincials this year. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, that's the biggest good. perk of winning the Briar. Yeah, biggest perk. You get through that Alberta... A stretch of not yeah that that's just an absolute minefield out in alberta so congratulations to kevin cooey we will of course see them in november in saskatoon at the trials i believe that's their last uh, tune-up event before the slams i, I don't think they're doing any more events that aren't going to be on tv before we see them in saskatoon so uh, a, a great way to uh, to get into the television season for Cooey to get a win there and uh, and good on Yop van dorp too by the way for getting into the semifinal of, a, of an event with that field yeah 
That's all. <laughs> all right. Uh, one other story that came up this weekend that I wanted to touch on very briefly because we can't do it justice in the same way that uh, it was done on that curling show, which returned on Friday on the CBC with uh, Devin and Colleen Jones. Scott, this is a story of Adam Freelich and Charles Gagnon. Uh, Adam Freelich is the third for Team Como out of New Brunswick, and uh, Charles Gagnon he is the lead for Team Lawton in Quebec. And uh, Adam Freelich for years has, has suffered from a stage five kidney failure. And uh, the team put out a release or on, on social media saying that he needed a new kidney. And uh, Charles Gagnon stepped up and donated his kidney last week to Adam Freelich. Uh, all accounts are that they're both doing well. They were both on that curling show on Friday. But just a, a terrific story to come out of the curling world this week and, and certainly a time where we can all use good news in whatever form it is. So uh, a great story there. And I would recommend everybody just head on over to the, you can watch the whole That Curling Show where they have segregated out this part of the show as a clip. So just wanted to highlight that, uh, a great news story that came across the feed this week. Wow. Yeah, great, uh, great story. Glad to hear everyone's doing well. Yes, and uh, hopefully that uh, that continues. But, you know, as they say, it's the first few days when that happens that really is where it's you want to make sure that the everyone responds well and that seems to be the case so uh as i said great story so i think that will do it for this week scott uh, what is your prediction for our game tonight well as long as i don't uh hurt myself i think that will be uh, a win <laughs> all right yeah let's uh let's go with that so uh so that's it for this week everybody thank you so much for listening if you have not yet do subscribe wherever it is you get your podcast do the likes ratings comments all that good stuff and do follow us on social media at game of stones pod we were pretty active over this week when we were in the building both on twitter and instagram you can also find us on facebook at uh, facebook.com slash game of stones podcast and head on over to game of stones pod.com you can find all of our past episodes there and if you click on the merch tab you can find the aforementioned sweatshirt that scott is currently wearing very comfortable on a cold, rainy day here in Ottawa. We also got the T-shirts and a toque, which you wore, Scott, to the event yesterday. Uh, Al Cameron, who does media stuff for Curling Canada, uh, he's the director of that for for them. Uh, he recognized us because you had your hat on. You know, when everyone has their masks on, you don't necessarily know who everyone is. But Al recognized the hat. That's right. And uh, it was comfy and kept me nice and toasty. It's uh, always a good thing. And of course, as always, if you do order something, all the proceeds are going to go to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation and Food Banks Canada, and we are matching everything that comes in. So uh, do feel uh, so. So that is the case there. So Scott, with your purchase, obviously, we're going to have to send that along and match it. Yeah, I'm uh, looking forward to it. I'll make a donation at the end of the month which is Thursday. It is indeed Thursday. And of course, do let us know what you want to hear on the show. Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. Always excited to hear what your ideas are. Scott, you mentioned Thursday. Just want to say that that is also the national day for truth and reconciliation. Uh, so there are events going on all across the country that you can go and you can learn more about reconciliation. And if there isn't an event that you can immediately access in your area, you can always go online. The National Center for Truth and Reconciliation has some online material there. Or you can just read the the TRC report. Uh, so 
hopefully everyone has a chance at some point on Thursday just to to note the day and uh, any small effort towards reconciliation is a, a great start. Absolutely. All right, so that's it for this week. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Scott, what do you want your first shot to be tonight? Ah, uh, peel. I want okay. to peel. High hard come one out, out of the game. Come out hard. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how that goes, and we'll be back later this week to talk all about that. So until then, thanks for listening, everybody, and of course, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern.